0: All
1: the well, here we are, episode four of No Ride Around, and at some point we're probably going to get to a number where we want to stop calling that out,
0: but we're under 10, so we'll call it a day. Yeah, we start to sound like, this is the fourth time we got together and actually did something <laughs> cool we wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, we need to stop that. Yep. Because these are going to work in perpetuity. Like thirty-seven years from now, when like the hoverboard lands at like the <laughs> local cafe, they're still going to be pulling this podcast up, and they're going to be like, "Dude, the fourth one. I've been listening to this for almost four decades." Also,
1: it doesn't. It's super impractical to be like, "This is episode one hundred of blah blah blah." So anyway, <clears throat> what kind of fun bike stuff you've been doing?
0: <laughs> oh, I I'll tell you. I uh, actually pr'd on my on my fat bike. On Tuesday, I got a PR. Yeah. But you can't say on your fat bike. My, my fat bike got a PR. <laughs> okay, so...
1: So, I, I'm going to say earmuffs right now. <laughs> because
0: <laughs> so Justin went
1: fat biking, which I've got opinions about fat biking in general. I know a lot of people enjoy it. Uh, but Justin was not enjoying it. So, I asked Justin to uh, email me some uh, some image files for the for the podcast, for the logos. And this is the response that I got.
0: Yeah, I'll send you that shit when I'm done fat biking the stupid fucking trail. Oh, let's go fat bike Apex. <laughs> Great idea, Justin, you fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> right, prop, uh, <laughs> promptly <laughs> after sending you that video message, I chucked my fat bike. I mean, threw it off the apex trail through the fat bike. And that was the spike in my Strava data for max speed. I PR'd, um, I PR'd a three foot section of the trail. Well, my bike, I love my bike that. It, PR. I love
1: that. It was a segment even for, yeah. for a PR to get recognized. Yeah, my, that was bike, my bike
0: pr on Strava. So <laughs> I, we talked about this a while back on a training, on the training update. And I just, I wanted to get outside. I wanted to ride a bike outside and uh abby and i took a trip a little while back for this production company to mexico and we thought it was gonna be this big glamorous thing and it ended up being us kind of like on a tight leash with free time and so i came back after those those handful of days and i've just been like a pent-up like inside of me exists this snarly nasty psycho thing it is i'm feeling it i feel like venom like it's getting crazy And so I needed to get outside and do something cool. So I was like, hey, Tuesday, I'm going to go fat bike Apex. For those of you that don't live in Colorado, Apex is a black diamond trail. It's pretty technical. And you kind of start climbing right out of the gate. It's not by any means the hardest trail around, but it's got some goose to it. Covered in snow, not a big deal. I was the first (laughs) asshole that rode the bike in the snow. We got a foot of snow here. Um, I was the first clown that took a bike out there. Um, And so there are all these little footprints through... People had walked it in snowshoes and yak tracks and whatnot, but footprints in snow act like little baby head rocks, right? So if you picture a trail full of baby head river rocks that are kind of loose and covered in a slippery substance, and then just go ride that uphill, that was what it was like. And after the 13th time of fall, like losing purchase on the pedals and sticking my foot into a foot of snow and bearing up to my knee, I just was livid. And stood up and just threw the bike. I was so mad. I threw the. <laughs> I fucking threw the bike. <laughs>
1: and I, he sent me that. And it, you know, it's it's not often that Justin doesn't get back to me pretty quickly when I send him a text message, especially for something. Not just like you know, what's up? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, yeah. It, so you know, he he gets back to me with that, and I I just about fell out of my chair laughing. I sent that to like four people. <laughs> <laughs> like including uh Roger was like, Hey, any, any get j- back from Justin on those files yet? And I
0: was like, well, this is what
1: he said when I asked him for those files. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I ended up turning the, I ended up turning the bike around and, uh, and the downhill was actually fun. So, um, if you suck at technical biking skills, like you just, i give like you, if you just can't get it, you can't get it, get a fat bike. You can borrow mine. Um, you won't be using it anytime no, soon. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> And go and ride it because you're never in control. And so, but the downhill is almost fun, reckless like that. So the downhill was a ball. I actually did. I even smiled. I was like, oh, I like riding a bike. It's fun. And I get into the parking lot and I get back to my truck and I take that piece of shit back apart and put it in the back of my truck. And this other sorry soul, like moron, pulls up, and I see a fat bike hanging out the You're back like, of his don't truck. Don't do it,
1: bro. No, don't I, do I, it.
0: You know what I thought? I thought some lessons are better learned on your own. I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> <laughs> I drove off knowing what no. his day was gonna be like. Oh, that's rough. Oh, I I, I feel like I probably would have told him. No, no. Usually, I, so usually I go to a trailhead listening to like um. Something pretty rowdy, right? So, like, mm-hmm. there's a station right now on XM, like XM Turbo, mm-hmm. and it's all like 90s and 2000s. Getting jacked up. Yeah, I'm jacked. And then I usually leave listening to jazz music, you know, or like You're all mellow. reggae. Yeah, exercise the demons. Yeah, the demons is out. I can go and be a human again. Yeah. Um, and so I I came listening to this turbo st- and I left listening to turbo <laughs> and had to go to the bike at the gym and get on a spin bike and just hammer it out and hate pedal. But um, oh, man, I was so. Just twist, I twisted, and even then, it didn't get it out of me. And I ended up, um, like, like I journaled even. And I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a, (laughs) I'm not a journal. Like if somebody goes, picture a journaler, it's not me. I'm not the person that journals. Justin was so twisted, he had to go journal. (laughs) I journaled, and I actually, you know what? I felt better. I did finally after I. Oh, that's good. So that's good stuff. Yeah, that's the recent biking. That's, that's the recent biking that I've been doing.
1: Um, uh, I've been continuing to just put tons of miles on the uh, on the uh, the indoor bike, um, which isn't nearly as fun. But uh, you know,
0: it'll be sunny and dry again soon enough. So I saw a picture on Instagram, I think yesterday. And it was an up-close picture of a, a bike brand was launch, is launching a new bike, as they do. And it was an up-close picture of the tire on dirt. Mm-hmm. And, I, oh, man. I you get a little misty-eyed? No, I did. <laughs> like, when I saw it, I saw the picture. I didn't care what the bike I – I don't even know what the bike brand was anymore. But as soon as I saw it, the feeling I had, like, I just remembered, like, everything I love about riding on dirt and just getting out there. You know, it was, I was a gleeful moment in my day. Like I was so, and then I walked by my bikes that are, you know, nerdy hung up in my garage mm-hmm. with all pretty well organized. Uh, and I, I was like, ah, I can't wait to get back on that.
1: This is a fun time. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, kind of in the, the planning phase. So, you know, you just sit there and for me, I'm just poring over, you know, distributor websites and parts, you know, just what am I going to get? What am I going to buy? What am I, you know, so as much as I miss being out riding the bike, it's also just as fun to, to like, do the, like, pick pick outfits for the bike, if you like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what t- Am I going to get the, the, the skin wall tires, even though I don't like that tread
0: pattern as much?
1: It's ridiculous, but that's how you get through the winter. <laughs> it is. And
0: so I've got a couple of bikes en route, as you do you. You do. Yeah, you've got. Yeah, so... when are my bikes ready, man? So, <laughs> Oh, shoot. You're I gonna, mean, no.
1: I mean, no. You have no.
0: bad knowledge. You're going to break me bad news live on this recording. No.
1: It's just the same news, which is that sometime in March, you'll get one of them. And sometime after that, you'll get the other one.
0: Great. Yeah.
1: I mean, it hasn't changed. Yeah. So, um, how long? Was it in December your bike got jacked?
0: Yeah, December. Yeah, it's December. So... Early, early December. Yeah, I, was taking my, I took my mom and grabbed to the airport. So, yeah, I was... So Justin's, you know,
1: play bike, not race bike, is his fun bike got stolen off the back of his car and uh you know, another insurance claim later. And uh, we've got one coming. It's not here yet. But uh custom yes. design.
0: Custom design. Custom cool. paint. So, uh, we'll plug it because yeah, so whatever. Yeah, or we'll, Orbea we'll... does this deal. Uh they're my O program. Yep. I, Orbea is a,
1: they've been around for forever. Um, actually, if I, I may be butchering the history of the company, but I think they originally were manufacturing rifles and sometime between world war one and world war two thought that they should maybe make bicycles instead.
0: Well, um, <laughs> a couple, uh, but they, they've got <laughs> the disclaimers here. So <laughs> a big sorry to Orbea because you have just alienated a large population. They of don't make countries. guns anymore. Doesn't matter, man. So the, se- Over 100 the years sensitivities. Ago. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Fine. Sure. That's fair. Know. Fair point. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Orbea. No, you know why they probably switched? Because in World War II, they used bicycles a lot. that soldiers did for transportation. Um, it was easier to get around. So they actually bikes were huge in World War II.
1: Incidentally, everyone, this is I think the history. <laughs> Not a hundred
0: percent. Nonetheless, they've been making anyway. bikes forever. <laughs>
1: And they got this program
0: where you can pick of, I think it's on any of their mountain bikes. No, right?
1: it, it's select models of road and mountain, but they okay. do this really cool thing where you can like within certain parameters, get as custom a paint job as you want.
0: Yeah. I think there were like, there
1: were, there were several, uh, there were several options. Yeah. That you, I mean, you can have a do. ton of fun with it. So naturally um, guys like myself and Justin and pretty much any self-respecting cyclist that takes their equipment seriously is, of course
0: going to take yeah. advantage of that program. And so you get on there and it's funny because incidentally, I probably just talked myself out of a sale. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy because you get on there and there's all these options to make. And so I think when everyone hears the word custom, they, they automatically go, it's going to be, you know, you got to make it crazy. It's yours. It's custom. Yeah, yeah. So I got on there. I start plugging and playing with all these different colors. And, and as I'm doing that, I'm really starting to figure out like, what do I actually want? I ended up making a bike. It's white on, white on white on white. It's like all white, the whole bike, and you hate it. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 you know who's really gonna hate it is Mo. Mo, because
1: he has to clean it. Yeah. 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 Um, white white bikes look nice once. Yeah.
0: So I'm
1: imagining Mo's right now.
0: I told him, and he's like, "I don't
1: care as long as I never have to clean it." No,
0: he's researching right now protective lubricant or sprays that yeah. will coat the entire bike.
1: Easy off or not yeah. easy off? Uh, Pam.
0: Pam. It's, it's so my whole bike will be covered right off. in Pam. That's perfect.
1: Yeah. Um, so you got a new bike coming you got that bike coming. And then we both have our race bikes coming. Yeah. I'm Jones. And for mine, I ordered mine in. It must've been June before the bike was actually in production and really announced, but you know, we got the heads up and I was like, yep, put me down for one of those. So I got that coming. That'll be fun. That kind of keeps you going a little bit. Um, I got some super-duper top-secret information from a vendor yesterday that I can't even say anything about except that the next time we we do one of these, I probably won't be able to shut up about it.
0: Wow, uh, that's awesome. (laughs) Hey, dude, super cool. Anyway, so the next thing I want to talk to you about is... Thanks, appreciate that. Uh, Well, you know, it's... uh, Yeah, no, 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 you can't cart, horse, the whole thing. Yeah,
1: it's... a lot, lots of times things are shared with us. And I don't know if this happens in, in, in the fitness industry, whether it's a, you know, I, I don't know what the equivalent would be, but we get stuff shared in confidence and a lot of, I think a lot of business, a lot of shops don't necessarily respect that. But, um, I try to, cause they're sharing it. Like, I don't want that, that information turned off. Yeah. So, um, just know that I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since yesterday and the next time we talk, I'll talk about it for a long time.
0: Well, good. So it could be <laughs> anything from like uh, that Ergon got a new color of grip or something actually really cool. Yeah. I'm exactly. going to hedge on the cooler thing. Yeah, it's going to be the cooler thing. Cool. Um,
1: so, yeah, planning season. Um, still training. No fun adventures outside to talk about, really. But, you know, that's just that's just this time of year when you live in the mountains.
0: Unless you're not afraid of the snow, like Harley. I hate the snow. We were just talking about it. I don't play in the snow, really. Yeah, well, Um. (laughs) I'm the opposite. The upside to playing in the snow is that a lot of people don't play in the snow. So if you want to get buried a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, so I told you there's like crazy guys growing inside of me, it's going to take over. My eyes are going to like turn black, and then you will be like, what happened to him? I don't know. Every time he opens his mouth, just fire comes out. And uh, so... My wife texted me the other night and she goes, hey, I got, a pl- I got plans for Saturday night. Just FYI, I'm going to be with the girls, blah, 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 I'm busy. Okay, that was perfect. I immediately got onto the 10th Mountain Hut Division, or 10th Mountain Division Hut System, and booked a bed in a hut that's about nine miles off of a, any near road. So on Saturday, uh, we got some obligations midday, and then I'm going to go do a couple-hour skin to the middle of the uh, you know this pass and sleep in a hut hopefully by myself and then wake up in the morning and do some backcountry skiing and uh, and get buried a little bit. So my training's a little different trying to balance, you know, uh backcountry ski, ski mountaineering with bike riding. But well, but
1: you there there's there's a reason there's, you know, there's there's a thought process behind it, right? Like you're doing Grand Traverse, which yeah. is a ski race, so you
0: kind of need to do it. Yeah, no, I have right? to. That's the it's funny, you know, I've I feel like this happens a lot in, in our bike racing schedules as well. I've done the Grand Traverse event a couple of times. And so now going into it the third time, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what it's like, I'm gonna be fine. I still gotta put the time in. I still gotta get my body used to- Doing that and, thing, yeah, that so.
1: modality. You know, when you're used to the pedaling thing and the yeah. skinning thing, isn't necessarily a, a foregone conclusion. Yeah, Yeah, but I've been,
0: <laughs> so I've been doing it primarily the last, you know, most of my outdoor activity for the last several weeks. I mean, I haven't done, I haven't done a good bike ride. We got snow. So, I mean, yeah. December, I got a good amount of biking in. Outdoor. This is the first real winter we've had in Colorado in a while. Yeah, I remember last year I rode almost through January mm-hmm. yeah, um, without issues. So, M. Jones and ride a little bit. Even got a wild hair to think, like, maybe I'll just drive out, see what Mo- – but even Moab's got some snow, and so
1: – Yeah. Yeah, uh, Taruki, uh, my cycling coach, has been putting me through the ringer. And uh, I'm actually super – like, I'm, I'm excited about doing indoor workouts, but I'm super excited. You know, I, I put on a boatload of miles in January. And uh, I'm super excited
0: to, like, see where my legs are when I get pointed up a trail. So you just glossed over that real quick. You did more miles in January than any month I've known you to do large mileage. Yeah.
1: No, that was... Um, so what would you end up with? Four... Sh- Shosiah, four Four nine four eighty 480, something like that. 480 indoor miles. Yeah. You
0: did like a couple outdoor rides in the month.
1: Uh, right? two. Two, yeah. Two.
0: Maybe a combined of like 60 of that was outdoor. So for anyone listening that thinks you've been on the bike, 490 miles, that's what you laid down in January. It's freaking awesome. I, I feel great
1: about it. I, um, you know, for me, building the routine is, is uh, paramount. Um, so just getting into that, you know, squeaking it in, no matter what mentality has been really hard or not hard, uh, <clears throat> really important for me, you know, even last night, my day didn't go quite according to plan. And, uh, you know, Justin wanted me to come lift with him, but shop stuff and staff and just didn't want to leave, uh, my service manager most sitting at the shop by himself when I'm, you know, out lifting weights and, you know. Basically, not being at the store. I didn't think that was super fair to him. So um, I snuck in a just, I got a, a pair of dumbbells and a, and a yoga ball at home and snuck in a 30 minute uh, workout. So for me, it's just building a routine and, you know, trying to stay consistent with it. So
0: I, uh, I wanted to give you credit for riding those 480 miles, 490 miles. And, and then I just looked up uh, how many uh, how many hours per week do pro cyclists ride? Oh,
1: it's it's
0: <laughs>
1: tis but a drop in
0: the uh, bucket. R- riders will often do up to two hours or more on rest days uh, during the tour. Uh, <laughs> riders train every day, racking upwards of thirty hours in the saddle in a hard training week. Yeah, and I'm sitting so, there
1: feeling good about eleven or twelve.
0: So let's assume that a, a pro cyclist, when training, so I've been doing you know on the stages bikes, I'm averaging like. 21 to 23 miles an hour is like the average speed on these on these indoor bikes because i feel like you can maintain a little bit better you don't have have wind resistance you have wind you don't have the road up down this that the person you had to pass the stroller you had to slow down Mm -hmm. for so let's say if they're 30 hours let's say they average what are they i mean they're probably averaging if i'm averaging 23 they're probably averaging what 25 26? Yeah. I even I know when
1: they get in a group, those guys will do
0: 30 no problem. Yeah, 30 no, no, it's holding 60K yeah. all the time. So, but let's say they're doing like 20, let's say 26 miles an hour. Okay. So they're looking at like 3,120 miles a month. <laughs> Could you imagine? No. I can't. Hey, do what you just did six times yeah. this month. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Well. But it's good for me. No, I didn't mean to just. <laughs> It's just, just wha- shit all over. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just nuts to th- like when you like that. Your month was bigger than anybody that I know, anybody that I follow in Strava. Yeah. It was huge. Mm-hmm. And then you look at what the pros do and you're just like, oh, my God. Ah, they just have a,
1: I, I'm convinced. And I, I think at some point it'd be really fun to talk about professional athletes versus uh, recreational athletes and, and all that sort of stuff. But I. The people who are at the tip top of any sport are not. They're the next evolution of human, in no, my opinion. Well, you know, I, they're, they're not human. They're some, some other thing.
0: You know, they showed – here's the deal. I just read – so I just read this book, um, Hard Men. It's by the, the guys that are the Voluminati. Voluminati, okay. rule five, rule nine. So, right, so those fi- – the five guys that are part of that, I thought in the rules book that they'd never identified themselves. But in Hardman, this second book, they have, they have identified themselves. So you okay. can find out who they find are. Find out who these guys are. Which is kind of cool. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with what the Voluminati are, I think Harley can summarize them pretty quick for you.
1: I, you know, I, I don't know much about the Voluminati, but the rules are a very, very, in my opinion, very important set of rules that govern being a cyclist. Mountain road.
0: It's like 80 plus rules.
1: It's a lot like 80,
0: of them. 86 or 88 rules. That cover, they're all-encompassing. Like mm-hmm. One of the rules is uh, you can never photograph your bike with water bottles in the cages. The cages must be empty. Wow, I, I yeah, missed that one. That's a, Well, I just finished the book, so okay. they're fresh. But, like, random. Some of them are random, like, totally random like that. Like, well, why not? But Just because you can't. You can't. You can't. Yeah, you just can't do photograph it. Photograph them
1: with. Well, like, one of my favorites, probably my favorite rule, is the one that, uh, picture or otherwise... When you get, like, don't take a picture holding your bike above your
0: head. Yeah, you can't hold your bike above your head. Like. <laughs> You've all, I've actually sent you a couple of them just on purpose until I saw that this rule, I thought it was when you're just like, I'm a bike shop guy, no. I follow my rules. Uh, so I did it on purpose. And then when I read the rule, by like, you're like, the, the, the naughty. Yeah, can't do and it. No, I, did, I feel like they kill me in my sleep. Um, but one of the rules, I think the, at least according to this book, Hardman, rule number five, Rule number five. Most important rule in cycling. Is? Harden the fuck up. That's it. Rule number five. They even don't even refer to it as rule number five. It's just called the V. Ah. You get it? Yeah, so yeah. Roman just numerals. the V. Yeah. So this book I got done reading is about 45, 46 little short stories, two, three pages, that tell a story about pro cyclists. And they're doing the guys in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, like pre-EPO. Mm-hmm. Um, Early
1: 2000s was like the
0: height of EPO. Well, so they tell stories about that okay. in there. It's interesting. So, um, and they talk about a specific text and they just, they let's put it, the way, they're not a fan of. Yeah. Um, and they kind of rail on him pretty hard. But there are some stories in early 2000s talking about some guys trying to fight against it. Um, Todd Hamilton was, I think Hamilton his last name? Uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So just anyhow, a bunch of crazy, like there was a dude who second stage of the tour Crashes, breaks his clavicle, gets back up, finishes the stage, goes on to do like a top five finish on the tour, rides the entire tour with a broken clavicle. You know what?
1: You and I had a topic we were going to talk about. We did. And I kind of want to ball that up and pitch it over my shoulder because this is way more fun. Yeah, we're going to talk about this instead. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So
0: so this whole book is full of just like crazy, like freaking crazy people. Guys, girls that have just done... Unreal things, right? I don't, you know, I, I, I believe
1: that, you know, the the, the road racers going back to as far back as you can, there's recorded history of, of of cycle racing. The the racers who were racing all, and I think up to today, some of the
0: hardest athletes in the world are
1: road cyclists.
0: So they even, so this is brought up in this book as well. So they had they broke this book up into different. Uh, sections like so classics uh, and they use like you know either like the classics word is German and they use French words for but -hmm. you have like the domestics and the classics and Mm -hmm. then these so they have all these different categories of these types of writers like a ruler Mm -hmm. is the well-rounded all right sprinters whatever yep so in each chapter they would give an introduction to this type of writer and they said something so funny and as soon as I saw it, I took pictures of it and I was like, oh my God, I cannot wait to share this. So they're talking about um, just like being a cyclist, right? Like what, what it takes at one point. And uh, they're talking about how many of us have been like slaves to the saddle and this and that. And they get to it and they go, and yes, and talking about cyclists. And yes, most of us have already sucked at all other sports hence becoming cyclists <laughs> to become a cyclist requires nothing more than staying upright on a bike and trying hard. It's super true. <laughs> they go on. super true. And
1: you just got to be willing to try harder for longer That's than the, the, the rider next to you.
0: That's it. They say it right here. Uh, there are no hand eye coordination aptitudes in cycling, uh, a good follow through balance timing technique. None of these things is actually a requisite. Just ride the bike. A four-year-old can do it. For fuck's sake! Like anything, getting good at it requires major commitment, but really, practically, only commitment. No membership fees, no lessons. Just flying down the road, just like that four-year-old. Yeah, and because that's awesome. That's be, so good. Isn't that great? Like I, I almost like wanted to read the rest of the the deal, but we'll talk our own words. But it's just it's insane that there really is no thing you need but just to be. Hard. It'd be hard. You just gotta, you be, tough. gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. Like you gotta be tough, committed, you know? And so this whole book just gives you all this. So I, the reason I got it was because uh, I, we were leaving or traveling a little bit and needed an extra, like a backup book. I knew I was going to hammer through the one I'd been reading. And so I got it because I've had some indoor training sessions where like I've thrown in the towel. Like I'm sitting there and hammering and I wasn't able to hold my FTP the way I wanted to mm. and it was it just wasn't feeling right. And I'm like, God, my body just doesn't feel. And so I've thrown in the towel and I actually really started to discount myself. I'm like, man, you're kind of being a little, being a little bitch, you know, big time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like really yeah, frustrated I, myself.
1: Tuesday night I was, you know, we, 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 we were doing the uh, suffer fest on Tuesdays and Thursdays and uh Thursday full on solo mission. And I got to talk to myself like a full on crazy person. Cause it was, <laughs> I was in the gym by myself and I, was
0: talking down to myself a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I was feeling that too. And yeah. so I, I stumbled across, across this book as this little bookshop in Crested Butte. I love it. I buy a book there every time. It's awesome. And, uh, and I see this and I was like, Oh my God, a book full of all of these two to three page stories yeah. that tell me not to be a little bitch. Yeah. And so since reading it, it's give not that I have new perspective, but like, cyclists are badass dudes. You could almost
1: just say renewed perspective.
0: A renewed perspective. Yeah. I mean, they're just just hard because it's so easy to stop. I mean, it's, it's so easy. You just, stop. you just stop. They actually have these two little levers on each side of the bike that make it even easier to stop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, you can quit. But <laughs> you and, quit
1: at any moment. Anytime.
0: <laughs> and most of the time, you're by yourself. And so no one knows you quit except for you. Yeah. And so uh, I, I just need to – so anyhow – in reading the book, it's been it's been fun. And to hear some of the stories of what these guys do, it just uh, lets you marvel at what's possible.
1: Well, you know, we, we've talked a ton. And I think if you were to ask, um, Justin and I both pretty much identify as mountain bikers. I'm a huge fan of the sport of road cycling. Mountain biking is fun to watch. But there is, to me... There is an intellectual beauty to road cycling, road, road racing. You know, when you, I'll, I'll almost equate it to, to MMA in a weird sort of way. Um, I've followed MMA for as long as that was a term, and probably earlier than that. Um, and everybody loves the high, highlight reel knockouts, the big, exciting stand-up, knockdown, drag-out fights that that get all the top billing typically when you're watching um any sort of mixed martial arts promotion and you have two really skilled brazilian jiu-jitsu grapplers and it turns into that the crowd starts booing cuz to them it's not broken noses and you know pure unadulterated excitement but to anybody who knows what's going on it's you know this this delicate balance of, you know, moves and counter moves and posturing in certain ways. And in a weird connection that probably only my brain can make, road cycling's a lot like that. You know, you watch the Tour de France or any of the, uh, the Grand Tours, you have the uh, Giro d'Italia, Tour de France, Volta a España. Um, and those are, t- you know, three week long races often with flat stages and climbing stages. Um, On the flat stages, these guys will ride for, you know, 200K, no problem. And to the casual observer, nothing exciting happens until the last thousand meters. The sprint is the highlight real fight. You know, it's, you know, these guys are sprinting at, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour on flat ground. They're jockeying for position. Typically, if there's going to be a crash, that's where it's going El- to be. Elbowing yeah, each other. Elbows. I mean, These guys like is,
0: grab each other's hips oh, or handlebars. Like they get it. away
1: with as much as they can get away yeah. with. Um, but to anybody watching the whole story, it's this three-week-long chess match. And if you know what to look for and you know what, what's happening, even on those flat stages, you can really, really appreciate it. It's one of the, to me, it's one of the most fun things to watch for six hours a day. For three weeks,
0: <laughs> basically, <laughs> like watching all of the Game of Thrones three times through. Yeah,
1: it's it. It really I'm is. There, watching. there's a craft to road racing that I think a lot of people just don't see, and uh, and also being able to, you know, the Tour de France is a twenty one hundred mile race or more, twenty three hundred mile race. Yeah, it's huge. spread out over. They have what two rest days, three rest days the whole time.
0: Yeah, just so <laughs> I got so I. Uh, mountain biker as well, but I don't have your road cycling background or passion for the for the background. I mean, I got into racing just because it was the next thing to do after you got kind of good at mountain biking, mm-hmm. and I just love competition. But I have gotten way more into road cycling primarily through books, through reading, and it's touching on just what you talked about. By the way, you just use the word delicate to describe MMA. So eighty percent of the people listening to this podcast think you're a fucking lunatic. So, fair enough. Ask anybody who's a real fan of MMA. I like the knockouts, okay? I'm the, I do, too. I'm the, G, I'm the NASCAR fan. Hey, I, like, I like, the, like, like the sprints just as much know, as the flat stages. You, you know like, why you do? It's because you're American. Our good buddy Roger just sent us that link for oh, the American crit.
1: That video was Did so you watch dumb. it? I did. It was the dumbest thing I've ever watched.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, there's this video that is. It's like 45 minutes long, so it's not just a quick video. Was it like, I don't 35 I, minutes long. I it
1: was long enough. And the, again, you know, this you peel back the layers, and, and the story's pretty cool. It's a bunch of guys who wanted to compete at a high level Um, in the, the crit crit racing scene in, in the U.S., which is...
0: Like NASCAR of road bike racing.
1: Yeah, it really, I mean, it, you watch it. It's called American Crit. It's on YouTube. I'm sure it's, you know, you can search it in two seconds and find it. It's a pretty quick watch. I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, it's kind of a cool story, but um, even I got a little uncomfortable with the number of f bombs that guy dropped. Dude, right? I just
0: did two <laughs> in this podcast already. And you feel self conscious no, about it? No, but like the <laughs> the skinny little cue ball MC dude, the main host guy, he did. He had just a violent.
1: Oh, dude, it was like vernacular. He was like making me blush a little bit, and
0: then oh god, I really but almost to... forced like. It was like, like he was just trying to be hard a little bit. But crit racing is cool. It is the NASCAR. But, yeah, the, the beauty behind road cycling and as you learn the different roles and, uh, and understand how people use their strengths to really propel themselves, so it's, it's cool. I'm learning more, like I said, through the eyes of actual racers, books they've written, biographies, autobiographies, and it's cool.
1: Yeah, it's it, crit racing is fun, and it, you know, on a, and a, on a local scene, like there's a there's a really good crit racing scene here in Colorado. Um, yeah,
0: I we have a couple of guys, a couple of the guys at the shop do not at the yeah. shop, but customers uh, Travis. At the shop. Travis, does. Travis does it. Yep. Oh. Um, he'd wanted me to go do it. it he said it, He goes, dude, it's like cyclocross racing, but on a road bike. And I'm like, dude, I love cyclocross racing, but that stuff is just dangerous. Like. Yeah. I crash! All, I mean, it's it's and I'm on pavement. I'm deathly afraid of crashing a road bike on pavement at high speed. Like every time I ride a road bike, I am just waiting for the wheel to miraculously just fall off of them. <laughs> and if it did, it's your fault because I bought those wheels from you. So uh, it would I didn't be put your them fault. On. And uh, I just know one day it's just going to completely come off. So crashing on a road bike sounds horrible to me.
1: Yeah, not interested. Um. So you've got the Grand Tours, and those, those guys are hard in, in, in one way. And then um, Spring Classics. Spring Classics are single-day races that are just designed to be... Dude, 240 kilometers. The worst thing you've ever done. Oftentimes, over cobblestone roads that were built how long ago? Yeah, I mean, and they actually
0: have... So like Paris-Roubaix mm-hmm. has a... Come on, say it right. Paris-Roubaix. Okay. You're going to say it. It's like, if you're going to say one, like, hey, this is the one <laughs> French word that I know. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations. Okay. You know, Sorry. hey, uh, yeah, I'd like to get the pico de Yeah. Hey,
1: my hometown was settled by the French.
0: Okay. My hometown <laughs> has a bunch of cows. I don't know how to fucking milk them. So, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, so, Perry roubaix Yeah. Wee wee wee. Ho, ho, ho. So they have actually a, a, a group there. It's, it's funded through donations that they maintain those cobblestones. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's all kinds of things about these cobblestones that I, I learned, again, in this book I learned about, um, you can like ride the crest. So, you know, they've got a little bit of an arc to the road. And so if you ride up top, you can avoid all the kind of muck. that's Because mm-hmm. these, these classics in the spring, what comes in the spring? Rain. Rain. So it's muddy, slippery. I watched a video of a guy. A guy went down uh, the year that Maddie Heyman just won recently for that Orica Scott team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like a 37-year-old dude wins the Perry roubaix school. A dude goes down on those cobblestones mm. and I tore his whole face off. Yeah. Like the entire face gone. He woke up. He got to be like, like Freddy Krueger. Oh, I can't. No, I can't. I can't do road bike crashes. I'm with you on that one. No, they're. And it does. Okay. Road bike racers, unless you're a weirdo Brit and you do time trials by yourself because you're lonely, when one guy goes down in a road bike race, 15 guys go down. And it yeah. means like chopping over other bodies. I mean, it's nasty.
1: So, a couple of our uh, friends out in Tulsa, uh, Roger and uh, Kalian, race crits.
0: Doesn't Kalian break something every year? I don't know if every year, but he's got a, a dodgy track record for Dude, sure. Dude, he showed me he broke a metal barrier in half.
1: Like I don't he, know, hit a, he hit a metal barrier coming out of a corner at 30.
0: And it broke the barrier. Like, he broke through metal. Yeah. And his helmet, incidentally. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do think, uh, I took such joy in riding with him because his legs are like the size of a freaking Sequoia. They're like the biggest legs. He's a, he beast. a beast. And then I whooped his ass in an endurance race. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, skinny boy wins, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kalian. Sorry.
1: Um, I can't, Sorry. the only thing I'm better at him is going down the hill, but you know, I'll take that too.
0: He's a beast and he's like the nicest dude. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So yeah, no, the, I think probably the worst crash I saw ever was back in the Lance Armstrong era. Um, George Hincapie, one of his team members was doing the Perry Roubaix and it was a, it was a nasty, dusty year. So you just like, you could barely see the riders. It's just a cloud of dust with a bike at either end. And then, and George Hincapie a crazy tall guy. You know, he's, he's a giant. And, uh. But when everybody is on a bike, you know, everybody looks about the same size. And all of a sudden, you just see him sit up, like bolt upright. And you're like, that looks a little weird. And you realize it looks weird because his handlebars snapped off of his bike. And he just like sat up with his handlebars in his hands and then predictably crashed horribly. Oh, man. <laughs> Broke his collarbone. It was awful.
0: Yeah, those, but, those Spring Classics are, and they're, uh, it's a different rider, type of rider oftentimes that wins those. The riders like who tour. can do
1: Spring Classics are really strong for a day yeah, and tend to have a place on Grand Tour teams, but... Um,
0: Aren't they like title rider? They're not
1: the uh, the captain. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I I, I I genuinely love watching road cycling. It's one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And then the, you know, the team people see it and see cycling as an individual sport. And even though, like, we have a team mm-hmm. this year for for our race, the Epic, and but we're all individually signed up, right? Like, yeah. we're a team in training, yeah. we're a team in support, we're a team in community and body, but we're all racing our own race. Yeah. Uh, these teams, like, they work together just like you would think a team would. Start to finish, they each have roles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's super complex.
1: Yeah, so you've got... Um you know, typically a team is comprised of nine riders. You have a, a captain and, and eight domestics, um, and really the job of the, the the eight domestics is to protect their team leader for whatever his role is in that tour. There are some teams that are just built around winning individual stages and not taking the overall. So they'll they'll set up a scenario where it, you know they've they've just got a sprinter and he's going to win a handful of stages and that's that.
0: And it's, and a lot of that is, you know, to get, so the team gets highlighted so that the sponsor gets highlighted. So the sponsor buys them their bikes again next year, right? Like it's a business too, you know? Yep. Um,
1: I think my favorite people in the entire sport of cycling, my favorite people are the riders who, so every stage, um, and oftentimes in some of the endurance races, we have a neutral zone, right? Like there's a rollout, right? Like nobody's allowed to pass. Like everybody has to start at the same pace. Nobody's allowed to pass this. You have like, a pace a, car pace or a car. pace motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. So the same thing for road racing applies. There's a there's a there's a neutral zone, and every stage of every grand tour, there are two to five idiots who will jump out as soon as the neutral zone is over. As soon as it's over. And they will spend a six hour day in front of the whole race only to get caught in the last mile. But I love those guys. Cause they're just, just the glory of the day. Like it's a losing battle. They know they're not going to get a stage victory. They're absent, but they, and every time they try, every time they're, they're just like trying, trying, trying. Sometimes it's the last half mile. Sometimes it's the last 2000 meters. You know, it's every time it's, it's different, but I love those guys. Cause they're, Completely happy to fight a losing battle all day. No, I, <laughs> I love so, those guys.
0: Thank you, because <laughs> the first day of La Ruta last year, Costa Rica, <laughs> there was a, so from the beach, it, it lined everybody up on the beach there, and all the pros are up there, and then you start to like kind of funnel in, right? So off the beach was just mayhem. You just take off as you want. But then once you got onto the road, they had a neutral section, and there was a pace car, and so everyone bunched up. And then you're riding as a bunch and then you get onto this dirt road and they bunch you up and then they actually stop you. And then, because it's like the PR stuff. So they had the helicopter flying mm-hmm. over and getting the aerial shots. And you know, there were some camera guys out there getting shots of some of the big celebrities and pro riders that were there and all this. But once that's all over, then that neutral start goes away very quickly. And I shot out, it was in first place <laughs> for .00056 seconds. <laughs> In first place of La Ruta twenty twenty eighteen, I was basically in first place. Um, I gave it up because you know I played my strategy, but uh, I was that dude for, for half of my <laughs> nano so can... Dude,
1: they're the best. <laughs> so there's a hilarious story. So La Ruta is an insanely hard event. I mean, can you do you remember the, just the, the raw stats three days for mileage and elevation?
0: Yeah, three days. You end up going. Um, you end up actually only doing about two hundred miles over the three days. Only. But, yeah, but the elevation was like the first
1: day was crippling, right? Yeah.
0: The first day you the first day it was a twelve thousand feet elevation gain through the jungle. So it's you know, it's it's close closer to twenty thousand feet elevation gain over a couple hundred miles. Oh, so
1: <laughs> it's it and it's in the jungle. There's you know, it you're you're in the jungle, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I
0: mean it's like so each of the three days are so uniquely different. The first day was all jungle, mud, nasty, gnarly, hike a bike survive. Uh the second day was Basically road racing on mountain bikes, Mm -hmm. but up and over two different volcanoes, Mm -hmm. which was crazy. And then the third day was pretty, was like a 32 mile crit on a mountain bike through towns and villages. But I mean, our, my average speed was almost 20 miles an hour for the bulk of the ride on a mountain bike. Right. right.
1: So, (laughs) so crazy hard event, um, uh, I mean, but it has to be an experience of a lifetime because so cool. you, you know you race from one side of the of Costa Rica to the other, right? Like, Through like the yeah. and the
0: Ticos, like the coolest people yeah. on the planet.
1: And there's a really cool story. Like they built the race to like bolster the economy of these little tiny towns, right? Like, yeah. The, so like, there's no major corporate su- support for. Um, lodging or anything like that. Like no. you're
0: really just living the local life while you're there, right? Yeah. The second stop. So they have a almost like a braided race course, mm-hmm. and each year it changes to go through a different little town. Nice. Um, the one little, the first little town you stop in uh, each year didn't even have a hotel when the race started 26 years ago, and now there are, I mean, dozens and dozens of hotels, eco lodges. Yeah. Uh, they built the economy. That's. I
1: think that's super cool. Um, it it really like. To me, yeah, I I view cycling as a a community-building activity, and so you know nothing more uh, meaningful than like just bolstering a local economy with a bike race. Uh, So anyway, (laughs) so in the months leading up to uh, to heading down to Costa Rica to to train, you know, there's some pretty uh, well-known athletes that that live and, and ride bikes here in Colorado. One of which is our our favorite Texan. Who, incidentally, I I don't care what you say. I love the guy. Like,
0: oh dude, I'm, you know, I'm not
1: mad at anything he did. Um, and I, you know, why I, I would be happy to get more into it on on, a, on another session. But I, you know, Lance Armstrong is still one of my favorites. Dude, he's awesome.
0: <laughs> listen, I, I listen to his podcast. Yeah. I'm that like cheese dick that bought shirt and hat and water bottles from his. But like, I'm yeah. a fan. Yeah, I'm no, a fan. so
1: I love the guy, but. <laughs> You know, and to, to, you know, someone who was in their late teens and early 20s when he was just dominating all of road cycling, like, you know, I don't really do the, uh, the idle thing, but, like, definitely looked up to the guy. Definitely, like, have a ton of respect for him, even, you know, with the, the BS of his tour titles being stripped and all that nonsense. Um, so, <laughs> so Justin's on a, a training ride. And he sees none other than Lance Armstrong out for a trail run, and uh, <laughs> they stop and they chit chat because it turns out Lance Armstrong is actually a pretty, uh, you know, affable kind of guy, and he'll he'll talk to you. Um, oh, you know, what are you what are you doing? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm out here training for Laruda. Oh yeah, me too. Justin tells Lance Armstrong, "Hey man, just so you know, I'm gonna beat you at least one day at Laruda." <laughs> <laughs> Now, I and you you equated that to at the time telling like Michael Jordan like, I'd hey man him I'm, and, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you in one on one yeah I'm gonna dunk on you
0: which you know, I wouldn't have, Michael Jordan be 98 years old with like a walker probably on a wheelchair and I still not gonna beat him but what happened dude I whooped <laughs> that ass so I okay I was so I I. I kind of played it out. I'm a bit of a character. like that's my job. in the yeah. gym a bit a character. my yeah. idea is to kind of like get everyone jacked up. So I you know tell the story, bump into him, yeah, I'm gonna beat your ass. And then I told everybody else I was like'm I'm, I'm gonna beat his ass, you know, yeah. but in like my dark moments by myself, I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm gonna beat that guy. And on the first day of the race, after that neutral start and I led for just a, a half of a half of a deal, um, it all spreads out and I realized like, dude, this is a bitch of a race, you know. And so there's a five-mile uphill dirt like dirt road, but it's been raining, so it's like a mud, dirt, slog road deal. And it's five miles, it's straight the freak uphill, right? Towards the top, maybe 80% of the way up, is when I pass him. And he's got Lance has his like jersey blown open. He's drenched in sweat. I'm drenched in sweat. And so I come up with this, like, I go by him like, Bet you take one of those dry weather Colorado roads right now, huh? Just to like make a comment, right? (laughs) And he's like, no shit, man, I'm fucking sweating my ass off out here, you know? And, uh, and that's when I passed him. And honestly, I got like a half inch taller.
1: Dude, so <laughs> I think literally everybody we know just got done reading uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Yeah, every, I, everyone's read the book. I don't think I know a single adult that's into fitness or challenging themselves physically that hasn't read that book. Um, and he has this whole section on snatching souls. That was a snatching soul moment. That was a snatching... So... You,
0: like, you took Lance's soul, even if it was for 30 seconds. Right. So, and then... Because I made it a point to, like, link, like, look back and talk to him. Do, like, the, like... Give him the look? Because I gave him the
1: look. Because, <laughs> <So>. you know...
0: <laughs> you guys need to Google...
1: YouTube search the look yeah, Lance, Lance Armstrong. Yeah, Lance Armstrong. It, it's... I, I can kind of try to describe it to you, but it, it's... You got to watch it. But essentially, there was this, this rivalry between Lance Armstrong and uh, a German racer. Um, why am I blanking his name right now? Oh my God, I'm a
0: bad fan. Anyway. Because, like Lance told us in the look, this guy was inconsequential. Uh,
1: yeah. But, you know, they're, they're fighting, you know, they've been duking it out all day, going up this hill. And uh, Lance just decides it's time for him to go and win the stage. And
0: he, Jan O'Rourke. Jan O'Rourke. O- oh, God, what Jan. is wrong with me? That was me. horrible.
1: Oh, wow. I, I feel awful as a cycling fan. But um, Lance just gives him this look over his shoulder that says, I'm going. Are you coming? And takes the fuck off. He is just gone. He blows this dude's doors off. And you don't see Jan O'Rourke for the rest of the day. <laughs>
0: just ate his soul. <laughs> just later. So here's what happened. So I passed him. And he's, he's racing with Mike Closure, who's a former pro racer as well. And they're good buddies, which I didn't know. Closure also is into adventure racing. Um, and the Grand Traverse ski race that I'm doing, Closure won it the first few years. Or he's won it several. He's okay. won it a few times. So he's a beast of an athlete as have well. Have you and,
1: done the mountain bike version of
0: that? Yeah, I did the mountain bike version the first year they did it. That t- my soul was snatched. I don't um, want to do it. I do. I was hiking biking up Star Pass. And I was about to have a meltdown moment. And I had earbuds with me. And Abby had made me a playlist. And uh, um, that song, Don't Be Rude, or Why You Gotta Be So Rude, cheesy pop yeah. song. Okay. Started playing. You just and get all I, jacked up. <laughs> no, I just stopped. I started dancing. I'm not a dancer. But I was like, I was either going to cry or dance to the song. And so I started dancing to the song, like, Why You Gotta Be So Rude. And then I was instantly happy, and I finished the race. Um, anyway, my anyway. closure. So, I'm, so I start chatting with my coach, and then I'm like, "This is like my like this moment that I've been kind of bsing yeah. is gonna happen." So I, I take off, and then I get to a downhill, which is a big, um, like a big skill set of mine. That's one of my my yeah. strengths. So I blast downhill, and then I'm back into an uphill, and I'm going, and I'm feeling real strong, and I pass this guy who goes, "Hey man, I'm like, hey. he's like, is this your first time? Like, he's yeah, my first time." He's like, "He's like, dude, you're in a really good position." I'm like really, he goes, "Yeah." Basically, we're about to enter the jungle, and wherever whatever position you enter the jungle in is pretty much where you're going to come out. You're going to come out there the same place. So I'm like, now I'm even more jacked up. Well, I look behind me, and wouldn't you believe it? Fucking Lance is like right there. You know, not Uh right there, but he's. But you can see him. I can see him, and he's closing the gap. Yeah. And I I had one of those like, come to Justin moments. You know, I'm (laughs) like, you're either who you said you are right now, like you're you're you, or you're just a fake. Lying empty, just what who are you? So I put my head down and I go, He's not gonna catch. I'm gonna bury myself. Right. And so I just buried myself and uh and I kept that really that attitude the rest of the race. Yeah. Ended up beating him by like an hour and twenty minutes it. on the first day. It was unreal. That's awesome.
1: So there like, yeah. I, I think that's just one of the most hilarious because as much as I have faith in your physical ability, when I mean you, but coming when, right? when you're like, oh, I'm gonna beat Lance Armstrong, I'll be like I mean, that's a hilarious story, and I'll tell it to literally everybody we know, so later we can make fun of you. But then we all kind of had to eat our words, and it was both cool and, you know. So,
0: you know, his I, we ended up, um, I think the last night of the race, going into the final day, we were staying at the same hotel that his manager was in, and we were actually, his manager was in the room adjacent to ours. And Abby and I were chatting with him, and, uh, you know, he had, he's like, yeah, I know Lance, I mean, he just... He's been training for this run because he's doing some marathon running and stuff. So he
1: he did a really cool thing. A lot of charity or a lot of these big endurance events, they'll do a charity chaser. Yeah. They do it at Leadville. Basically, they pick somebody who's in insane shape, um, and uh, they start last. And in the case of this rate, the the this marathon that he was he was working on, um, not only does he start last, he like has to stand around for ten minutes. And then for every person he passes, there's an associated dollar amount that goes
0: to a charity. Yeah.
1: So it's super cool. So that, and I think, you know, I I was interestingly just listening to one of his podcasts that, uh, I guess he was recording like a week and a half before LaRuda. he was talking much more about that than he was about
0: LaRuda. Yes. He's been so, you know, so I start I, when I said I was going to beat his ass, I started stalking him on Strava. Yeah. And, um, and so he does. He he was running a lot. So his manager was saying, you know, he's been running a lot. He's been on the bike as much, and like none of that mattered to me. Like excuses are not excuses. Like at the end of the day, results are black and white. Gotcha, bro. Yeah. So, but uh, this was this was kind of funny um, because we're talking Lance. He uh, that first day he got like borderline heat exhaustion. Like, I heard he had to like stop and like lay down in the water to like yeah to get his temperature. Yeah. Right. yeah so yeah. dude, it was like it was ninety. It was, over, it was over 90 degrees, and it's like 90-plus percent humidity yeah. out there. So the heat index was through. So, I so drank, anybody who's
1: ever been in New Orleans in the summertime, no problem. No
0: problem. Minus the pee factor. See, in New Orleans, you pee all over the place. No, like you No, you don't. Well, no, it does happen. <laughs> it does. Um, but you don't. I drank 23 bottles of fluids that first day, and I peed once during the race. Oh, my God. In my kit, of course. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So
1: what race is it this year that you blew up your E3 your race bibs from 2017 and then you needed a kit for
0: Oh yeah, so I needed I, I wrecked at the GoPro games and completely just just shredded, shredded. uh my leg still have all the bru- the scarring from that Okay. Right? So
1: um in 2017 we you know we did some real fun uh race kits and uh I had kind of stopped using mine because it had some uh, sponsor affiliations that I, I didn't really want to parade around too much anymore. And uh, so it was just kind of a memento. It was a really important year um, in terms of, you know, personal stuff. We, we mentioned our friend Sean, who passed away a couple of years ago, I think. Um, and that was a big, like, completing Leadville that year was a, a big nod to him and, and his wife, Megan. And uh, anyway, so I, I just kind of set the kit off to the side and it wasn't really anything I was going to use. And we didn't have the new base camp kits in. That's that, That's what happened. Right. And Justin's like. I was kitless. He was kitless. And he's like, man, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just wear the E3 top with uh, like some black bibs or whatever. And I was like, you know what, man? Like, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother me. You can just, you know, borrow my bibs so you have a kit so you look pro. And, uh, yeah. You know. which
0: is already a testament to our friendship because <laughs> right? you don't wear under for those of you that are yeah. uninitiated, you don't wear underwear in your kids. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, just raw dog. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I, I was like, you know, whatever, you wash it, it's fine. And, uh, he's like, no, well, you, dude, thank you so much. So, I give it to him. Oh, it was when you and Andy went and did, uh,
0: Tahoe Trail Tahoe 100.
1: 100. Yeah, yeah.
0: we wearing the shirt. Yeah.
1: Right now. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so he comes back we sit down we're having coffee he goes dude i might have pissed in your bibs <laughs> <laughs> i looked him dead square now i was like you mean you pissed in your bibs <laughs> they are officially
0: his <laughs> so i i don't stop to pee yeah. in bike races i pee my bibs and the first time i did it was very difficult as but the first time i that i can remember peeing them, it probably was maybe before this but the first time i truly remember it was ledville 100 the first year and, you know, I was drink a bunch of fluids beforehand. You always get that like, last, like, nervous pee yep. out of the way before the uh-huh. race starts. And then you, uh, you're you kind of locked in, and you climb climb Keevans, and you're locked in. And then uh, you descend for a little bit, and you have another big climb. And then you get to descend the gnarly section, the rooted-out oh, uh, power line.
1: Power line, man. And so it's got these, like, roots, It's got wheel-deep ruts. Wheel-deep. Oh, yeah. You mean like. like I thought you were trying sun.
0: to
1: say. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were no, trying to say. No, I can, deep. I can actually you use can my talk. words. Okay. No, the, they are the they depth of a mountain bike. they
0: deep ruts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, the ruts are actually the depth of a bicycle wheel. Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> but they're also, they're wheelie deep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the upside to it is that if you're a good mountain biker, Uh, or descender anyway, which most people who race Leadville are not good descenders. Yeah. Strong Um, riders, not good descenders. So they're going to stay on the far left and where it's the actual path. I was going on the right because I was like bunny hop. I mean, I was jumping the bike left and having a ball of fun. I was having so much fun that I had to pee and (laughs) I was hydrated. Yes, but I was just so excited. And that was the first time I peed. And I remember peeing the bibs and it was like a, like a rooster tail from a jet ski oh, behind me of pee, oh. but once you pee, it's all, its yeah. warm. So you that like, warm, and then it, and then it's, it's evaporative hot. cooling. So no, but a, then it's evaporative uh, cooling, and it cools you down. Um, I will always stop. Really, I will always stop. I will, I will actually never stop to pee. Two types of cyclists, folks. Ever again in a, in a race? <laughs> no, listen. Not racing, I stop to pee. Yeah. Ugh. Oh. Yeah, but I can't do risk. it. can't do it. Uh, it just, it's its not worth the time. Listen, you spend so... You will Whoa. spend... How much more money do you spend to get an XX1 crank versus an X01 crank to save you the tiny bit of grams that could be just that much faster and you're stopping over the side and peeing your name in the freaking dirt? You know, not me. Everybody's got a different path to glory, <laughs> my friend. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> oh, shit, man. You know, I... Oh, so I forgot my story. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: so... So uh, we're talking, so the first day, so he's, he's like all dehydrated and yeah. just it blasted. Apparently, and we learned this um, staying from his manager, he went and got an IV for, and now I've done IVs, sure. like for rehydrating and yeah, all this. Yeah. I've done IVs, I've, had, I've done the B12 shots in the IVs, mm-hmm. and I've gone through experiences, Place Hydrate here in Denver that I went to. Um, and so I've done them. But I think if you're Lance Armstrong and you're in a bike race, sanctioned by, the, by UCI or not, like you are not allowed to use any needle-driven product while in a bike race. I feel like that's just like should be one of those things that's like a it's a hard no. Like, all, no, all, I, alternative, I can't. The alternative <laughs>
1: argument to I that. I can't do that. The alternative argument is that that's probably the least offensive thing he's done with a needle in a bike race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair, fair enough. I just am like, I'm like, wow, that's like really playing with fire. I felt like this is the first time God, I've said it. That was rough.
1: I can't believe I said that.
0: I'm sorry, It's <laughs> I first time I said it publicly. Um, but no, the dude, the dude's super cool. And uh, but he did say about that race. He said that it was the first day, he said that it was the hardest day on a bike in his life by a factor of ten. Yeah. Um, I in don't a, doubt in it. in a personal message to a, a, another guy I raced with that was friends with him. Okay. So um but yeah, no, absolutely brutal. But yeah, nothing but uh, mad respect for that dude and and what he's, you know,
1: continues to go through. So know? one, one, one more funny, and I don't want this to be the Lance show, but whatever, we're talking about it right now. <clears throat> in listening to uh, one of his episodes before LaRuda, he had uh, George Hincappy call in, and he was just hammering Hincappy because he was supposed to ride with him at LaRuda. Right. And he bailed. You know why he bailed? No. He saw a picture of a snake on the race course and said he was
0: out. Oh, dude, that picture. <laughs> if you see, so. Uh, He's like, I'm done with snake. Yeah. I'm not doing the snake thing. If any of you are by a computer or if you're driving and bored, pull your phones out. And, or um, don't. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> if you Google search LaRuda snake, bi- LaRuda bike race snake, you'll see the picture. And it's like this giant anaconda that's slithering through the water. And the racers are just, just past it. Now, I didn't see any. Uh, I didn't see any snakes in the race. Yeah, I know. I know
1: the uh, the picture. It's crazy. It. Though. But I just love that. Again, somebody as tough as that guy is like, snake on the course. I'm out. Yeah. Getting home to my kids. I'm not gonna get eaten.
0: Well, it goes back to you know what this this book Hardman was focusing on is that there's a grit associated with with bike racing that everyone has their own version of it. Like, but you need you need grit in a race, especially like LaRuda or some of these other. Um, which, by the way, I'm doing Veru to Mexico here in May. So that's a new race, right? Never been done before. Okay. So um, I'm jacked on that. As Similarly
1: well. grueling course, I imagine. Three
0: days through the Some volcanoes. Some sadistic
1: race director figuring out how to yeah. torture 200
0: people. Just torture two, and, and in Mexico, trying to get them tortured but not kidnapped at the same. Just, <laughs> it's a delicate balance. It's a, yeah, like, you're like How do I do this? It's like 100 kilometers south of Mexico City, so it could like, be. Do dangerous. you get private
1: security detail? Or are they hiring Blackwater to like watch over the race?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna. I've been to take a throwing knife just to have in my kit <laughs> just can you I need Orbea to hey yeah, Orbea yeah. if you're listening I need on the uh on the OEth, I need a throwing knife like sheath. compartment yeah yeah a BCA strap or something like that so um but yeah no I'm jacked on that but it's cool you know it's this this idea of this adventure racing with bike racing it takes you to different parts of the world and there's actually a little group what I've come to learn is that there's a, a group of guys there's a bunch of dudes who that do, do it, it right across like I'm there and, and, and they all think it's so easy, right? Like oh, if, if you listen to a previous episode, guys, we talked about having these lifestyle businesses. Let's just say when I'm going to do these crazy races, uh, it's uh, Capital One's paying for this initially. Okay, so like, <laughs> Funded by Capital yeah. One. Okay. Um, Synchrony Bank. <laughs> so I'm out there and these guys are like, hey man, yeah, no, we're going to do this 100 mile gravel grinder in Iceland. Uh, if you want to join us in Iceland, we're going to do this 100 mile gravel grinder. I'm like, yeah, and no, I'll, be, I'll be there next week. Like everything they do is so cool, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. But there's a group of them that do, it and these there's these cool events all over. And and what I encourage is, for me to to have done that last year, I just I just started talking about it with you know with you and mm-hmm. with other people close to me, and because I started talking about it, I just I had to make it a reality, and it didn't make sense for time timing away from work and, the, and virtually nothing about doing it this year made no, sense. No, no, right? like not a single thing about it made sense, and yet. I did it and yeah. it was it's such a cool song. Some cool stories. If you have a dream, man, just go freaking do it. You no know, doubt. just book it.
1: Dude, this is a ton of fun. I feel like we haven't hung out in like two or three weeks, and we set out to do an episode about one thing, and we're just like, you know what? We just kind of need to bullshit for a little while. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It was super fun. Oh, uh, way cool.
0: But yeah, man, dude, there's something something smiley and fun about. This whole world of bike racing. And yeah, bikes. I'm I'm super
1: jacked. You know the 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 schedule. I you know we're talking about wanting to do Grand Traverse. I just like I was thinking about it, was it last night maybe, and I was kind of struggling with when I was going to get a workout in and what the workout was going to be, and in the midst of all that, like I I had this genuine moment of excitement about Breck Epic, like just like. As quickly as it came, it left, and I wasn't worried about being overprepared or underprepared or you know what my hydration or nutrition plan was, I just had this like, moment of raw excitement to, to go hit that race. So I, I'm, I'm super jacked for, for the season, even though right now is a little bit of a mentally hard time to be a, a cyclist when there's snow
0: and, and bad weather. Yeah, but just this chat got me. I'm just. I'm, I know. I'm amped right now. Yeah, I'm jacked up right now.
1: All right. So let's leave it right there. Yeah, that was, was super fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. No ride around.
0: Go reek, you're done! So get the fuck out! Go reek, you're done! So get the fuck out! Don't You're done! So yeah!